0: Listener Supported, WNYC Studios. I would say in my dating days, I was very anxious. Like, so anxious, I couldn't go on a date unless all details were planned out ahead of time. Like, what time am I going to show up? What time will this be over? Okay. What will I say to this person? Here are three things that I can keep in my back pocket to say to them.
1: You sound like me.
0: (laughs) A plan really helped me out. Yeah. But I would always have this kind of sadness that I couldn't just sort of stumble into one of those great dates that just kind of happens and it unfolds mm. and you're loose and you're free.
1: The romantic comedy date, Yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But one time, I felt like I had it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There was this guy. It was sort of unclear whether we were interested in each other or not, but we agreed to meet up in a park that was by the water. Mm -hmm. So we meet up. It's the middle of the day. And we're like, let's just walk around. So we walk around. And then he's like, let's go to a bar. And I'm like, let's go to a bar. Mm. So we're having drinks. We're having a good time. And he's like, let's go get lunch. And in my head, I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm free. (laughs) I'm being spontaneous. This is what spontaneous (laughs) feels like. Okay. And it goes from like noon to 6 p.m. We hang out for a solid half day. We just like keep rolling into the next activities. And the whole time I'm like, it's the end of the day, and I feel like this is a date. I have this in the bag. Mm-hmm. So we get to his apartment door, and I'm like, I should just confirm what I already know. We, let's just say it out loud. <laughs> and so I say, um, this was a date, right?
1: Oh, Tobin.
0: And he goes, uh, I think of it as more of a friend thing. Is that cool? And I just go, yep, and I walk away. And in my head, I'm like, no, it's not fucking cool. <laughs>
1: Tobin, the last time I went on a date like that, I ended up in a relationship.
0: Oh, I'm so happy for you.
2: <laughs> From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy.
1: With your hosts, Tobin Lowe and Kathy Too. Tobin. Kathy. We did our first live show. We
0: did it. We, we did. pulled it off. I know. So this was a couple weeks ago. We did this live show at the Now Hear This Festival in New York City, and I would say it went perfectly.
1: Except Tobin, <laughs> there was the part where I galloped on stage and immediately tripped and
0: face planted. <laughs> you did a true face plant.
1: <laughs> yeah, but regardless, it was a lot of fun. We got to talk about dating.
0: I talked about how I am an OK Cupid expert, gaming the algorithm like a great Asian. <laughs> We can't, we can't use that anymore. No, not cool it. anymore. No, <laughs> okay.
1: No. And I talked about how I fall in love. Some would say too
0: quickly. I would say that. Everyone <laughs> would say you fall in love too quickly. I feel like your small talk on a first date is what's your ring size?
1: That's not true, and you know it. All right, all right. So we brought with us writer and performer Ryan Haddad, who talks about a thing we were never really good at.
2: Nope, not good at it.
1: Navigating the hookup.
2: Oh, hi. You look absolutely terrific, honestly. I was woofing some of you on Scruff back there while I was waiting to come out. Ryan is so at home in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. He loves a good audience. Loves it. What's your favorite time of day to have sex? Morning. Morning. (laughs) I love the morning, too, because I have all that hard morning wood that I have to just put somewhere, you know what I'm saying?
0: He has this amazing one-man show called Hi, Are You Single? And it's all about how he navigates dating and sex and relationships and how having cerebral palsy affects all of that.
2: Do you uh, like sex rough or gentle? Both. Both! You're a little indecisive, a little swaddle in the morning, a little beating in the evening, a little everything.
1: So as part of our show, we asked Ryan to perform an excerpt from Hi, Are You Single?
2: Do you ever have an overwhelming sense of longing for companionship and intimacy and love? And how many of you just get horny sometimes, huh? Huh? Raise your hands, raise your hands. Oh, yes, of course you do, darling, you get very horny. And keep raising your hands, why Why don't be shy. You, oh, you look fabulous, my love. You get very horny, and I know you get horny. And you get horny. The salmon boy in the back gets very horny. And you get horny. And you get horny. And I get horny. I'm horny all the time. All the time. Some people find that shocking. Why do you think that is? Could it be that society completely desexualizes people with disabilities? Just a guess. But I'm here to tell you right now, I have a higher sex drive than anyone in this room. Okay, anyone, anyone. I remember one night I was particularly horny at my parents' house. That's a very convenient place to be horny. <laughs> it was summer and it was hot and Dylan, Dylan was texting me. Dylan really wanted to give me a blow job. I mean, he was begging, begging. And I thought, sure, I would love a blowjob, but I can't. You see, because my parents are asleep in the next room. And he said, so what? You don't have to do it inside. I've, I've got a big truck, dude. I can suck you in my truck. Fascinating. <laughs> Let me just go into my parents' room and say, sorry to wake you, Mom and Dad, but can you set up my walker outside so a stranger can blow me in the driveway? (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Love you, too. But he was so hot. I mean, tall and strong, at least according to his profile and the Facebook stalking that I had done. (laughs) So when my parents left town the next week, I invited him over. What's your address? He texted back. Well, first, let me just confirm one thing. It's okay that I have cerebral palsy, right? As if I had to ask his permission. What? Well, I have cerebral palsy. That's, a, that's why there's a walker in my pick. You haven't said anything about it, so I assume you don't care. Oh, I thought that was from a play you were in. Good guess. No, but it's mine. You see, the CP just limits the mobility in my legs and weakens my arms a little, but everything else is fine. (laughs) And he said, sorry, man. I can't be cool with that. Well, that would have absolutely devastated me if only he could spell... But he wrote I-K-A-N, no apostrophe, T-B-K-O-O-L-W-D-A-T. So we weren't talking boyfriend material here. (laughs) And honestly, I mean, that's what I was looking for. I wanted a boyfriend. But for the time I was very young, I always felt the need to have someone. You see, I think I had a little bit of false expectations because my big brothers, Joe and Bobby, they always had girlfriends. So I'm this little kid watching my teenage brother's date, wondering, when is it gonna be my turn? I went to their high school, you know, thinking that I would have the same luck as my brother Bobby, because Bobby married his high school sweetheart. How rude is that? (laughs) So I walk into the high school, and I'm just waiting every moment. I'm going, "Where's where's my boyfriend? My husband should be arriving any minute. But my husband never showed up. No husband, no boyfriend, no hookups for me. Wasn't even until college that I started trying to meet guys online and suddenly I had to confront my cerebral palsy every time I talked to a guy. This was all very new for me, you know, I never, struggled with my disability growing up, and there really only were a few times in my life when I had to face any sort of discrimination. In third grade, a girl named Samantha, she called me a cripple. That bitch. (laughs) And on the first day of high school, the special ed teacher just assumed I was gonna be in all of her classes, even though I was scheduled for all honors. And I suppose there were some friends who avoided socializing with me on the weekends because they didn't want to deal with the responsibility or the burden. But it never even occurred to me that my disability might make being gay more complicated, which is why I was really confused. The day after I came out, my mother hugged me crying, and she said, I'm scared, because now you're different in two ways. Coming
1: up, we chat with Ryan about what it's really like to put yourself out there and deal with so many shitty dudes when you have a disability.
2: Men have, you know, been making out with me in a bar and reached uh, down to fondle my crotch. Uh, wel- welcomed to do that, uh, <laughs> and said something like, oh, it does work.
0: Nancy will be back in a minute. And we're back. We're talking to actor and writer Ryan Haddad, part of our live show at the Now Hear This Festival
1: Which, by the way, was happening at the Javits Center here in New York the exact same day as RuPaul's Drag Con, which was just an incredible sight to behold.
0: Queers as far as the eye could see.
1: (laughs) And anyway, we were there talking to Ryan about hooking up, which is the subject matter of his play, Hi, Are You Single?
0: And we started by talking about the way he describes his play. There's this blurb on his website that says, Do you have a high sex drive? Ryan does. He also has cerebral palsy. No, those things are not mutually exclusive.
1: So we asked him, is that a punchline, or what people really think?
2: Well, I can't say that I've done empirical research, right? (laughs) I'm only basing it on what I feel when I walk into LGBT spaces, um, particularly uh, gay or queer male-identified spaces, where if you are different in any way, if you are disabled, if you are overweight, if you are short, if you are bald, if you are old, if you uh, are trans, if you have HIV. You know, anything that is not mask and white and tall and muscular is treated as an outsider, as an other. And so I find that we are supposed to be embracing everybody. We're supposed to be accepting of everybody's differences. And we're telling the world at large that that is what we deserve as a community, and yet we're not doing it ourselves. Mm. I think that the issue that I faced, as a, particularly as an individual with cerebral palsy or with a physical, visible mobility disability, comes from the fact that there is no media representation of disabled people of any gender or any sexual orientation having... Intercourse or romantic relations or storylines on TV and on film and on the stage, and I attribute that to people thinking that we have we aren't sexually active. Uh, Men have you know been making out with me in a bar and reached uh, down to fondle my crotch. Uh, Welcomed to do that. And said something like, Oh, it does work. Oh. So there's the evidence. Yeah.
1: Ryan, what are you like on the first date?
2: I'm a lot like this on a first date, which is probably why I don't get a lot of second dates, because I'm sort of performing a little bit, right? <laughs> and a lot of people perform on the first date. Um, I think it's nerves, I think it's an evaluation of is this working? is this an equal playing field? Am I more into him than he is to me, or vice versa? Like, am I more into the guy in the front row than he is to me, kind of thing? Just kidding, you know, he's, re- oh, he just raised his eyebrows. Maybe we have a chance. Um, <laughs> if, we, if we get you a number out of this, oh my be God. incredible. Great no I <laughs> no have pressure, say, no pressure. I have to take a, ta- just a brief tangent. Um, the director of live events, I can't remember his name. I think possibly it's Dan, who's running this conference uh, for Now Hear This. He is gorgeous, you know? And if I were to get... The first number I want is the number of this gentleman in the front row. (laughs) The second number I want is Dan's number, okay? I don't know if Dan is interested in men. I'm not trying to... And his name might not even be Dan. I've had a couple of... (laughs) Uh, But on a first date, I tend to be really nervous and uh, it's hard to be natural because you're always wondering, is this going well? Um, And so a lot of my inner monologue on a first date, I guess, is, is this magic? And usually when it's magic for me, it's not magic for the other person. Uh, And when it's magic for the other person, I already know a couple of minutes in, this isn't going to work and I will say it. Not in the, after five minutes. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: like, five minutes in, are you like... No, I, I, don't, I,
2: don't agree, I don't agree with ghosting. I don't agree with uh, dishonesty or just ignore, ignoring someone. I'd rather say, hey, it was really nice to get to s- talk to you. I don't think uh, I'm feeling more than a friendship vibe out of this. Thank you very much. I'm glad I got to meet you. Uh, men don't say that, though. Um... I will become, uh, you know, an aggressive stalker-like person, and I will send you 10 messages in a row just to get you to say, I'm not interested. That's all it takes. I don't let men off the hook, especially men who are supposed to be grown men. (laughs)
1: Um, I have a really random question for you, Ryan. I was Instagram stalking you. Mm. And I saw that... (laughs) I saw that as a kid, you wrote a newsletter called... The Ryan Haddad Quarterly.
2: Alright, so yes, the Ryan Headed Quarterly. Do you have what do you have what do you What was in it? Oh wow. Well, there were lots of uh, there were lots of pictures of me. <laughs> okay,
1: wait, so this is from like from how old to how old? Okay,
2: so from ten to sixteen. Wow, a long time. Um it was the monthly for three years, the Ryan Headed monthly for three years, and it was quite literally a newsletter, you know, front and back. And one page. And then I stopped, but then I turned it into a magazine instead of a newsletter. So there were like 10 to 14 and 16 pages, and you know, full color. And uh, if something happened in our family, I would write about it. If somebody died, I would do an in memoriam or that kind of thing. It would get wow. deep.
0: <laughs> I want to go back to your work a little bit. Um, okay. You've said before that you have mixed feelings about being looked at as inspiring. And I wonder if you would talk about that a little bit. Mm
2: -hmm. A lot of people in the disability community talk about the word inspiring. So I struggle because I don't know if I have the most eloquent response. Uh, Most people in the disability community don't like it, particularly uh, liberal New York disabled people don't like it. the word inspiring, because if I inspire you, I want it to be because I want a Tony. You know, if I'm inspiring, it should be because of the merits of my work or the merits of, of my activism or what I'm doing, you know, moving through the world as a human being. Uh, I don't want to be inspiring because I got out of an Uber car. I don't want to be inspiring because I took the subway and I transferred to the One Train yesterday, which is an achievement for me, I will tell you. (laughs) Um, But people who've never seen anything I've contributed to the world artistically or heard me speak on any topic of consequence walk up to me out of nowhere as a complete stranger and say, oh, you're so inspiring. Just because I purely exist, and that is what is wrong. I'm not here to make you feel better about yourself. I'm here to do my work and move through the world and kick some ass and be a star. Well, I can't think of a better
0: note to end on. So Ryan Haddad, thank you so much for being with us. Okay, it's credits time.
1: You can find us on all the social media places. We're at Nancy Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, everywhere.
0: Also, don't forget, we still need folks to fill out our survey for the Out at Work project. Go to nancypodcast.org work.
1: Our producer. Matt Collette. Sound designer.
0: Jeremy Bloom. Editor. Jenny Lawton.
1: Executive producer.
0: Paula Schumann.
1: I'm Kathy Too.
0: I'm Tobin Lowe.
1: And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.
0: Fo, oh, this is Nancy. Is that what it sounds like? <laughs>